Welcome to Style Zephyr, a life and style podcast brought to you by the Alec and Bradley Blind Faith Cigar. Same family, new amazing chapter. Live true at alecbradley.com. And now your host, Kevin Quinn. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this brand new episode of Style Zephyr at stylezephyr.com. Be sure to check out as well the uh, couple of videos I've got going on at the Nickelodeon page at Style Zephyr uh, HD. I hope you're all having a wonderful, uh, I guess, late spring into summertime. Uh, where is the time going? There's just so much uh, nonsense and craziness and everything going on in the world right now, but I hope you're all staying stylish and happy and healthy. And uh, I hope I can take your mind off of things for just a little while every so often and um, do a uh, style zephyr, maybe a recap or a review and check out some of the really cool guests I've had in the past from authors to mixologists to tobacconists uh, to, uh, you know, healthy lifestyle and uh, living better. Um, so on. Lots of great stuff, lots of great people and lots of great conversations to join in on. Um, as a lot of folks know, I do a lot of nodding to the tailoring world for custom clothing. Uh, Style Zephyr originally was going to be designed for uh, interviewing a lot of guests in the fashion and or uh, garment industry. Um, the Golden Shears is an occasion out of the UK, which is predominantly uh, aimed at showcasing talents that have apprenticed for a number of years and uh, they then show off and uh, have garments that they have designed and created themselves, uh, judged by a panel. And um, I have the privilege and honor of getting to interview a now a new friend of mine, Miss Jordan Barrett, who is a recipient of a Golden Shears recognition and award uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Jordan is an amazing friend. She's a great talent, amazing individual. Um, she started up her own business, uh, Jordan Elizabeth Tailoring out of the UK. Uh, so just amazing to see not only um, a younger person getting involved in a craft that uh, spans um, at least a couple uh, a couple of businesses and tailoring houses on Savile Row is, uh, as everyone knows, as uh, essentially the home of sartorial elegance uh, throughout the world. But um, you know, for some of these firms that have been in business for over, some of them over 200 years, um, seeing younger people, uh, newer, younger generations taking up the trade and really pursuing their passion and undergoing all of the training and education that it takes to um, go from apprenticeship to uh, being a master tailor. So, um, plus being a lady boss, uh, having a, a young lady who um, not only just being an entrepreneur, but also being uh, a business owner in an industry that is primarily uh, really male dominated, uh, not only as the owner of the company, but also uh, a lot of tailors uh, from back in the day as uh, cultures change and the worldviews change. So um, amazing to see another person and hear from her story as well. So uh, Jordan is sitting down with me today, and uh, I'm glad to share that with you. Um, talking, starting the business, the award, the recognition, the training, uh, and the inspiration and everything that goes along with it. So I'm super stoked to share that with you, like I said. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to snap right on into it. Super excited. This was a little bit of a longer conversation, which also made me very excited and uh, hearing some of her more personal experiences in the in the craft and the trade. And uh, hopefully everything with her business uh, goes uh, to infinity and beyond. And I wish her nothing but 
continued success. So without further ado, this is Kevin and this is Style of Zephyr. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Chiara and I'm the founder of Kiara, C for Charlie, I-I-A-R-A. We are an exciting new label for women, inspired by dance and making a difference to women around the world. More than just a fashion label, we're also a blog, a voice and a community of empowered women. Designed by me in Australia, each garment purchase makes an impact. We currently work with Blue Dragon Children's Foundation in Hanoi to rescue and support sex trafficking victims. To find out more and share our journey, go to our website www.kiara.com.au or social media Kiara Dance on Facebook and at kiara.dance on Instagram. Proudly paired with Style Zephyr. Hi, my name is Alan Rubin and I'm the founder and owner of the Alec Bradley Cigar Company. For 20 years, Alec Bradley has been raising and reinventing the bar for premium cigars. Based in the United States, we grow, harvest, and handcraft the finest cigars utilizing the highest quality tobaccos from around the world. Our quality has been featured in numerous publications worldwide, including Cigar Aficionado, winning Cigar Aficionado's Cigar of the Year in 2011 with our Prince Auto line. While we're proud of our accomplishments, we're most proud of doing what we do with passion and an emphasis on family. We oversee every aspect of cigar manufacturing with a care and attention to detail that is unmatched. The end results are cigars that bring people together, enhance relationships, and moments that are well-deserved by those who choose to participate. At Alec Bradley, we have our own flavor, uniqueness, and style. Each cigar is its own experience and is true to itself. As a first-generation cigar maker, we don't have generational history, but we honor the timeless traditions associated with fine cigars and it's time for us to start our own traditions. So come live true with Alec Bradley. For more information, please visit us at www.alecbradley.com. We proudly pair Alec Bradley with Style Zephyr to be true to you. Howdy folks, welcome again to another exciting episode of Style Zephyr. I am so, so happy to have you on board with me today. I'm also so, so happy to have my guest with me today. She is an extraordinary talent. She is an extraordinary person. She is an extraordinary friend. I have got the amazing and wonderful Miss Jordan Barrett of Jordan Elizabeth Tailoring out of the UK. Jordan, thank you so much for being on the Zephyr with me today. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem, my dear friend. Thank you again so much. Uh, we've got so much to talk about. Uh, garments, custom clothing, lady entrepreneur, the whole nine yards. Um, so much cool stuff that we've had in conversations before and even more that we're going to share with folks today. Uh, first, a little bit of a background. Um, as I've said uh, before, you're, uh, we are talking from across the Atlantic. It's pretty cool. It kind of feels like that transatlantic cable. It's like you know, a couple hundred years ago kind of a thing. Um, you know, it's like Churchill and, and Roosevelt, you know. Although, nice. Yeah, I like it. It's not it's not really like the most gentleman thing to compare a lady to Churchill, but still pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty It's cool. okay, I'll forgive you. Sweet. Um, if you could uh, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and then uh, you being a tailor, uh, what kind of inspired you and started your career path into uh, tailoring? Yeah, so um, I've kind of always been in the fashion world. My grandmother, so my mum's mum, she was actually a couture bridal dressmaker. So ever since I was little, I have kind of been around sewing machines, fabrics, 
um, kind of all that type of stuff. So I've always been involved with it and I've always had an interest in it. Um, I initially um, went to college, did pattern cutting and a generic fashion design course, I guess. Um, I always said I wasn't going to go to university or college because I never thought it was what I wanted to do. But when I went to college and I started seeing different courses that were available, there was one that actually kind of caught my eye. And it was um, tailoring and couture. Um, and that was where it kind of opened up my eyes to the tailoring. So um, I'd always been involved in kind of the couture side anyway, growing up with my grandmother around. Um, but it was a completely different construction. And um, if I'm brutally honest, doing the tailoring side meant that I didn't have to deal with women. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that's funny. I'm just, <laughs> I'm a gentleman. Kind of factual. Yeah, yeah, no. <clears throat> Well, that's, that's. I can say it because I'm female, but it's because we're a nightmare. Oh well, I mean, it's like I have some wonderful, wonderful friends who are they're interested in, in garments, and um, I am I, you know, I am hoping to fit them gradually. Um, and but that's not so much the bashful part as much as it is just kind of like that. It's just making sure that folks understand what it is that it is, and the technical aspect of yeah like i have to measure your anatomy and i remember asking a young lady i was like hey like do you know what an inseam is and how to measure it and they're like no i'm like well that's your crush to the floor oh yeah yeah and then you're like yeah go ahead and do it i'm like oh all right cool oh, okay well on, thank we're on, you we're on the same page all right cool like right off the cuff yeah <laughs> Well, cool. What? Because a lot of this that I'm starting to do myself, whether it's the podcast or the custom clothing, was there a moment that started the compulsion? Because I know for me, a lot of this has just become compulsion. You know, something about it that makes it personal, something that kind of lights your wick, so to speak. Was there a moment? Was it an experience that kind of started it for you? What kind of was it that led you down this path? So. To be honest, it was it was purely through the love of clothes making and designing. Um, and to be honest, when I first set out in my career path, I wasn't going to be a tailor. I was actually going to be a um, drama therapist, which is basically a way to use drama and media to communicate with special needs children, special needs adults, you know, prisoners, various different various different types of people but it's a way to use that as a way for them to communicate and communicate with you um i'll be brutally honest i have the writing skills of a child um <laughs> so when it came to a, a theoretical degree um even though i got into it and i was able to start in the september i um decided then and there that it wasn't something that i wanted to do it wasn't something that i wanted to pursue with so I ended up going to you going to college to do this fashion course. Um, and the more I started doing it and the more I started to learn, the more I really started to enjoy it because I was thinking, you know, it's very different between it's very different from going from kind of making your own clothes, following patterns or books or whatever else to actually starting from scratch and building the whole thing. Um, and it's a really, really interesting process to be able to basically just get a piece of paper and just construct the pattern from nothing. Um, so that's where that's where I'd say it kind of started from, just having my eyes open to there being a lot more 
than just sewing garments, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did not know a lot about about that about you, which is that's absolutely amazing. And you also touched on a few other things that kind of really make it um, personal. We'll, we'll kind of get a little bit more into that also. But yeah, super cool. And even then, so as you've got the career, or at least the the interest in the career kind of going, because you are uh, for folks to know, um, Jordan is a Golden Shears Award winner. Which, um, as I've said many times, and I'm like I'm nobody, but I'm still super happy for you to having earned that to this day. What started the career and training path, and then kind of led you to that point, especially with English tailoring? Um, so it was so my first real insight into um, Savile Row or the tailoring world was the fact that when we were at university, we um, were asked to do a um internship like a three-month work placement and the one thing that I didn't want to do like I didn't want to be part of a big fashion house I didn't want to end up being someone that you know just sat down and drew pictures and then had someone else make it for them it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to do I wanted to have a lot more personal experience you know you hear all about these interns with some of the big fashion houses where, you know, they end up spending three months sweeping the floor or, you know, making coffees for the head designers and earning absolute peanuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, high end fashion wasn't really something that I was ever interested in. Um, I think they don't get me wrong. I think they do beautiful things, but it's not to me, it's not a very personal um business like you can't build up a relationship with someone and I'm very much a people person so I like the idea of building up relationships with someone building up a repertoire with someone you know meeting them finding out who they are what they like what they don't like um and tailoring is very much that um so I first I ended up um contacting a few tailors and they offered me um a placement And it was through the meeting of the greeting of the customers, you know, going through the designs of it, you know, designing their wedding suit, you know, one of the most important days of their life. And you get to be a part of that. There's nothing more exciting than being asked to say, hey, you know, I'm going to get married and I want you to design it for me. I want you to come up with something that's going to make me look awesome on my wedding day. Um, And I think that's kind of where it started. And then um, I ended up getting a job in Savile Row itself, but it was more um, front of house. So when I first got a job, there weren't any tailoring or pattern cutting jobs available. So I basically worked on the front desk until they allowed me to um, go back and do the cutting and coat making stuff. So what I used to do is I'd use my evenings and weekends to work with tailors and pattern cutters to basically get a basic understanding until I was able to do it full time. Um, I was then offered as an employee, we were offered um, uniform. But the guys, yeah, which was really, really cool. Um, the guys ended up getting two, three piece bespoke suits and five shirts. Ooh. And the women, yeah, amazing. <laughs> the women were offered £250. To buy uniform. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of turned around and said, yeah, no, I'd, I'd quite like some bespoke suits. And they said, yeah, but we don't do women's wear. And I said, wow. yeah, but if you employ me, I would like a fully bespoke suit exactly the same as the men. 
And they're like, I'm really sorry, we just don't offer women's wear yet. So I said, okay, that's fine. If I can learn to cut the women's, will you have someone make my garments for me if I cut it? And they said, yep. So I ended up learning how to do women's wear. And that's kind of where my real passion for it took off. Um, And because I started specialising in tailoring, I then um, started to get recommendations for women's suits. Um, Because even though I said I didn't want to work with women, couture is very different to tailoring. When it's couture, it's very high end, very specific, very avant-garde, beautiful, beautiful dresses. Whereas tailoring, even though it's women, it still has to follow a certain path. You know, there's still certain criteria that you generally try to stick with or kind of follow along. Um, But the thing that really spurred me on to kind of go off on my own was that um, I was recommended to a lady for her son's wedding suit. Um, She was the mother of the groom, obviously, and she wanted something made for her son. And um, she came to me and said, you know, I can't find anything off the shelf. Um, I'm a bit of an unusual shape. Um, Nothing I find fits me. You know, it's my son's wedding, so I want to look good on his wedding day. And um, it then transpired that, unfortunately, she had um, been through um, cancer treatments. So she'd had reconstructive surgery because she had breast cancer. Um, And unfortunately, the medication that she was on actually forced her to put on a lot of weight. So she was really unhappy with her body anyway, because she was a lot heavier than she normally is used to. Um, And also she had to battle with the body image as well as the fact that she just had cancer and she just got over it. Um, so that we kind of worked backwards and forwards really, really closely for about three months to come up with this design that, you know, she loved. Um, but then also taking into account what was going to suit her new body shape, because it's all very well. Someone coming to you and saying, this is what I want. Well, yeah, that's absolutely fine. But you're showing me of, you know, a photo of a six foot four blonde Swedish model who's been airbrushed to the nines. (laughs) It's not exactly going to look like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's finding a balance between what's going to flatter someone and what's going to look good and also what they want. So we worked really, really closely for about three or four months. And then um, just as she picked up the suit, she stood in front of the um, mirror and basically just started to cry. Well, at this point, I was thinking, oh, my God, she doesn't like the suit. What do I do? We've got two months until the wedding. Um, And it actually transpired that she started to like what she saw in the mirror she basically said uh you know she turned around to me and she said you know you've done what I didn't think was possible you made me feel beautiful and you made me look sexy um and it was at that point and I thought you know what all it takes is for someone to spend time with someone and talk to them and work with them and everyone has that possibility to like what they see um yeah and that for me was a real poignant point you know her husband then as as she was getting ready her husband then came up to me and gave me a massive hug and said you've basically done what I've been trying to tell her for months you've made her see that she is beautiful I tell her that she's beautiful but until she feels it in herself it doesn't matter how many times a day I tell her um and it was the fact that you know the cancer had left her body but it never left her mind yeah yeah I mean it's so it's that- yeah, totally. it's it's amazing on so many levels, and because that that's it's one I would not call that kind of situation like a tip of the iceberg, but it's a perfect example of it's 
something that like just garment that seems just surface level physically it yep. makes such an impression whether it's emotionally physiologically what have you and because the point that you had made earlier about cutting patterns and everything else what i was going to say about that was just folks not realizing how much work that goes into it and um when it can take like when you've mentioned to me even like in these overseas trunk shows how long it can actually take to make a garment in a trunk from a just a trunk show fitting um yeah yeah absolutely when, when people have said kind of like to me like oh like you should be a stylist and i said in what way and they'll say you know like well you know you kind of you show people what to buy and where to buy it it's it's a cool idea surface level but there's no craft to that and nice. like that's what really started to attract me to it and when you have a relationship with a person, especially like a, a you know a lady in an occasion like that, it just goes to show like this is just one, and it might just be a suit, but it's that's that person's emotional worldview of themselves at that point. Yeah, absolutely, completely. And, yeah, and it, it's that's amazing. We're gonna. I don't even care about taking a break because I'm just having too much fun with this. But we're gonna take one just in case. Um, <laughs> folks, I've got Jordan. I've got Miss Jordan Barrett, amazing tailor, amazing person, amazing friend. We are talking bespoke clothing, uh, the consultation process, being a business owner, award-winning, incredible talent. We're gonna hit you up right after this. Welcome to Casa de Montecristo, leading tobacco retailer in Chicago. Casa features a beautiful 3,700-square-foot lounge with a VIP room, a conference room, and theater for hosting your events as well. Their inventory features products from companies like Regius, Alec Bradley, Davidoff, Camacho, Romeo y Julieta, Ashton, My Father, and dozens more. Their aging room includes cigars as sold as free embargo. Pay them a visit at www.casademontecristo-chicago.com or cdmcigars.com, the home of the only online retailer, proudly paired with Style Zephyr. Admit it, you've fallen into the Pinterest wormhole so many times, it's not even funny. Okay, it's a little funny. Those fail photos couldn't have been further from the original. But your next project doesn't have to be a fail. At DIY Vinci, we curate kits for you with step-by-step -step instructions and video tutorials. Or if you're just looking for art supplies or even home decor, we've got that too. Discover what you could DIY at www.diyvinci.com. Your masterpiece starts here. We are back. Thank you once again for tuning in to this episode of Style of Zephyr at stylezephyr.com. Don't forget, we've also got some really cool interviews over at Style of Zephyr HD. I'm always looking to add some new folks and lots of new stuff coming on up. Uh, but for right now, I've got the most wonderful uh, Miss Jordan Elizabeth of uh, Jordan Elizabeth Tailoring, Jordan Barrett out of the UK. Jordan, thank you again so much for your time. Hey, no worries. Thanks again for having me. It's been really good fun. Yeah, it's been all right. Been all right. You had, I'm sure you uh, had. Like... You met me. My personality is fantastic. Of course, it's been fun. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. You can now. Uh, you're you're wonderful. You can you can PayPal me now. The exchange rate's not that <laughs> bad. But uh, no. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Having a blast. Having a great time. we got lots more to talk as far as for garments. Um, Lady-owned business, entrepreneurship, uh, so, so much cool stuff. Um, have you – was it before or after, uh, you know, leading up to the Golden Shears that you, you've actually done some uh, some runway work also? Runway work? 
What do you mean? Was it like you you had you ever done like your own collections before or? Just... Oh, sorry, no, no, um, no. Well, I guess when I was at co- when I was at university, I had to do my own collection. Um, oh. it was a collection of six, uh, six garments. But oh. unfortunately, that was obviously it was very time, um, restraint. Um, and also it had to be very specific with a certain type of concept. Mm-hmm. And I don't really like to work to, unless it's a specific, um, idea or I'm working with someone when it's my own pieces, I don't really like to kind of conform to something. Sure. Um, especially when I'm coming with construction or designing, I tend to find that my finished, garments or outfits are completely different to what I initially thought of because as I've gone along I've kind of adapted it and I've added to it um and you know it's one of those things that one of my lecturers always said to me a mistake isn't a mistake unless you can't fix it Hmm. um and that's kind of that's you know it's kind of how I work so if I found you know if I was designing a jacket or I was designing a bodice and it didn't quite work then I'd adapt it to make it work, hmm. you know, and I'd add bits to it and I'd change it and I'd start manipulate it and I'd move suppression. Um, so it wasn't ever a mistake because obviously I could fix it and I could change it. Um, and if I'm doing a runway or something, that tends to be how I like to work. So I have ideas, but then, you know, coming up with the designing and coming up with the making and the drafting and the creating, you only know if something's going to work if you do it so mm-hmm. I tend to find that my designs and runways and pieces for um collections and stuff just tend to be what I know works and what looks good and what is going to make people remember nice yeah amazing and I love that about it we live in this era of don't be afraid of failure or that kind of thing um but as far as just like for the little things like yeah like we all make mistakes but I, I remember when I actually interviewed once at a clothier, it was, um, there was a gentleman who said that, uh, you know, if you were in health and life insurance, if you made a mistake, there could be a lawsuit. But if you made a mistake in clothing, at least you can alter that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So we've, we've hit on the inspiration for starting this amazing craft that you do. <laughs> Jordan Elizabeth Tailoring, what you know, and then plus as a female owned business, lady entrepreneurship, what then compelled you to start it? And what did being a, being a lady entrepreneurship in this kind of craft, what did that mean to you after that? Like when the doors opened? Um, so I guess the thing to um, propel me into starting my own business was actually when I um, ended up winning something at the uh, Golden Shears. Um, it was kind of a nod to myself saying do you know what yeah you can actually do it you know you've designed a piece you've made it and you've actually it's actually been acknowledged so you've been awarded for it um and I part of the prize was actually a cash prize so instead of going out and spending it on a night out as much as I would have loved to have done that um I decided that I was going to put it into my business and that was kind of where I decided that I was going to go forward so I had a uh, you know, a check made payable to me and I could do whatever I want with it. And I thought, do you know what? Actually, I'm going to now's probably the time that I start to be a grown up, I guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Damn, damn. Yeah. I know. I know it has to happen sometime. Um, and yeah, it kind of went from there. And then obviously 
getting more and more recommendations from doing the ladies tailoring and the designs um and the employer that I was working for at the time they didn't want to do ladies tailoring and it was something that I was really passionate about and you know there's a gap in the market there's no one or there's very few people that do ladies tailoring well and I kind of think why is it that men get to have these really really sharp amazing suits and us women are left with these shapeless boxy Mm -hmm. things that you know best left in the trash um and I just thought you know I wear suits every day and I want to look good in a suit I want to feel good in a suit and if my employer's not able to fulfill that then you know I'm gonna have to go off and do it on my own um and it's probably one of the best decisions I ever made you know at the beginning it's it's hard work it's really really hard work it's long hours you know you don't see much return um but now I've started to you know get momentum with the business you know, I'm building up clients, new designs, building up relationships with cloth merchants, with suppliers. You know, I'm getting a name for myself. Um, and the idea of working for someone else is just something that, you know, I break out in hives just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, it, it, um, it's, it's, it's an extension of you. And I think that's what your resume speaks for itself. I have a very long shopping list and a jacket by you is on my is on that list and when I have people because I've actually had folks come to me and offer me like hey like do you want to come aboard with me and there were other times where I was looking for like an it was at the time before I even worked in um, higher end clothing and retail and I would say that it was at the point for me like you said working for someone else doing it to to do this it's like you know I if I'm going to hustle and actually be nervous about something or worry that much about whether how I'm measuring our previous conversation an arm length or how your how big your seat may or may not be if I'm gonna if I'm gonna put that much hustle into it I want it to be for my dream and my vision yeah of course you know it's without without sounding crude in all this when you're working for someone else you're making someone else very rich yeah 100 percent you know It's, it's one of those things that I was working in London and yes, I was loving it. But, you know, I was working 10, 12 hour days. You know, I was getting stressed because of my, you know, of customers, of, of various different factors. And I'm thinking, why am I getting stressed over this? You know, it's not, yes, I'm working really hard, but it's, it's my boss that's benefiting. It's someone else that's getting kind of the cream off all the top. So I'm the one that's working the really long hours, doing all the slaving, building up the relationship. And it's the guy at the top that gets the benefits and the Mm -hmm. profits and stuff. And yeah, it's not, it's not all about that. Um, but it does kind of help. (laughs) Absolutely. But I mean, and, and then that's, and that's the thing, like when you, you're helping to kind of bring out that other person's personality and their vision. And, and as yeah. I always tell folks, like you're, you're perfect, but let's just show you another version of yourself that maybe you never thought you might see. And that's kind of when you have to start fighting off the addictive part of it. Because even for me, I had a, a cheapy custom jacket made one time and a friend of mine was like, be really careful now. Just be really careful because you look pretty good. I'll give you that. But then after that, it's like, ooh, like this can be like, ooh, that that color is out or that liner or yeah. that, that. Oh kind my of word, it's so addictive. <laughs> I mean, that was probably one of the main reasons why I had to set up, buy, uh, like, get a shop just mm-hmm. to house my suits. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, and even then, you know, you're you make an appointment with you. Great, something that I don't think it gets enough credit, and we're, we I will be hammering away at in the future. If someone comes to someone, especially like yourself, for example, if they want to have that experience. What does it, you know, everybody might be different, but what might a blueprint kind of look like for fittings, for measurements, the consultation fabrics? What does a Jordan Elizabeth experience entail? So, you know, the first, the first um, point of contact is just getting to know someone. And I always say to someone, you know, if you want to have a consultation with me, it's not set in stone that you're coming here and you're having to buy a suit from me. You know, it's building up a relationship. It's looking how, how you know, someone's style, what they like, what they don't like, how they stand, you know, what their job is, um, various different things like that. And I always say to someone, look, we're going to have a me. We're going to have a chat. See how you are. If you don't like my style or you don't like me, I'm not going to be offended if you don't buy any of my suits. Because if I if someone doesn't like my style or they don't like me or they don't warm to me, I'm not going to be able to make them a suit. I'm not going to be able to make them a suit that they like um, or love, which is more important. Um, so the first initial consultation, I normally say it's about an hour. I don't think I've ever done a consultation that's less than two hours because we just end up chatting, talking, laughing, joking, you know, picking out fabrics, designing their wardrobe, planning their next holiday. You know, it's really important for someone to feel comfortable with me. Um, so the first initial consultation, that's normally how it entails. And then by the end of the consultation, you know, they're relaxed and I can take their proper measurements because there's nothing harder than making a suit for someone if they're standing in front of the mirror completely rigid. And you say, look, just relax. Relax. Oh, I am relaxed. I am relaxed. But dude, you're four inches taller than you were when you first walked in. You are not relaxed. Um, and, you know, that's that's why I kind of insist on having a really laid back um, approach to the initial consultation because I need them to be able to relax because I need to know what their true body type is sure. um so when we go from that you know it's taking the taking the measurements and then I draft the pattern on paper and that takes two three hours I guess to just draft draft the pattern itself um and then you go to um creating a base fitting which is the initial um fitting so it's a twirl or a fit garment I guess um and that's to basically just see how my measurements work on that person because the measurements are one thing but the most important thing in a suit is actually to do with the figurations and the posture of a person so I can I can take you know I can draft a suit for someone that is a 40 chest 36 waist 41 seat which is kind of a standard um block sizing that you'll find <laughs> And, you know, I could have a room of 100 people with those measurements and it could fit, I don't know, a handful of them because each of them have got something different, different characteristics to do with how they stand, how they hold themselves, you know, their posture. They could have sway back. They could have hunchback. They could be leaning forward, drop shoulders, high shoulders, whatever. Um, so the next fitting is probably one of the most important because it's all down how it because it's all down to how the suit is actually going to fit and how it's going to look, how it's going to drape on that person. Um, so once I've done that, I then go back to the drawing board and then I update their paper pattern all along. So the whole time their pattern's being updated constantly. So by the end of it, when their suit's finished, they're also going to have a pattern that reflects the finished suit. Um, you then have, so once that point, and then we've worked out the figurations and the measurements and he's happy with the silhouette of the jacket, it's kind of down to the making. So you then... 
cut out the real cloth, you know, do the pad stitching in the chests, um, pad stitched co- um, collars. Um, I mean, from start to finish, you're probably looking at about 100 hours worth of man hours in one suit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of heart and soul and a lot of time and energy. And that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what's paramount yeah. and folks understanding that. Oh, absolutely. But the whole time, until someone leaves with that suit in a bag, it's constantly work in progress. It's constantly, you know, there's always movement to be improved, whether it's, I don't know, an eighth of an inch on the sleeve or, you know, we need to rotate the, sh- the sleeve forward a quarter of an inch to get the drape down the back, uh, down the hind arm, you know, until it actually leaves in a bag that it's always work in progress. There's always something to, to change, to manipulate, to improve. Um, which is why the suits take so long, um, because it's, you know, it's a very, very hands on skill. There's a lot of hand stitching that goes into a suit. It's a craft. It's, you know, yeah. it's an art. And that's I think it's a huge part of that value, because, you know, if it's done by hand or a person using a machine, you know, everybody kind of has a budget. And I've spoken to people who like, well, how much might this cost? And I think probably one of people's like least favorite answers when you they might ask, well, how much does this cost? And you say, well, it depends. It might be someone's least favorite answer, but I think a lot of times it's the most honest because it does. It depends, you know, your fabric, your build, your construction. Uh, yeah. The tailoring might be included in there, but at the same time, it's when someone says says that to you and you're being honest, and then they say, well. Either I don't like to wear a suit or I'm happy just getting my suit from this place for $200. And, again, there's nothing wrong with that when it's off the rack or whatever else if that is your budget. But um, as yeah. I, I'll tell folks, as I remember kind of like being challenged one time, and this was before I even had the, my business kind of up and running. Uh, they said, well, I only have to wear a suit maybe once or twice a year. And I said, let me try to make it the best suit or the last suit you'll ever have to wear. Yeah. Because now it's you're not being dictated to. Now you're making the dictation. Now you're deciding on it, and that's the value. It's be, you know what you want, and someone who knows how to do it, and someone who is genuinely interested in wanting to know more about you, so they can get it right. Also, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can I can appreciate you know bespoke tailoring is it's an expensive art form, um, and there are going to be some people that just don't have the budget for it, and that's you know that's completely fine. But it, it, I think what people have to realize is you kind of pay for what you get. You know, it's when someone comes to me and they say, oh, how much is your suit? And I say, oh, it's this. And they go, it's how much I can pay. You know, I can pick up a suit for 100 quid off the rack. I say, well, go pick up a suit 100 quid off the rack and it's going to fit where it touches. Don't compare your 100 pound suit to, you know, a fully bespoke suit because they're two completely different products. And especially when you've got for folks like yourself, you're going to be you're as young as you are and you'll be accruing your vast millions within the next few years and you've got these these tailoring houses there's a reason why some of them have been in business for generations they've been in business for centuries and until people kind of see that work that goes into there you know youtube is is free and if you've got a few minutes just to take a look at a video of what have you or more importantly if you went to uh what is it jordanelizabeth.co.uk does that sound right yeah, that's correct. <laughs> if you went to like your website and you see the kind of work that goes into that um, on top of the consultative process and someone asking you questions and not to mention a suit that's meant to last you for years. 
even like a good a good felt fedora, if you buy one off a shelf somewhere, that'll far, fall apart within a few years of being handled or of oils from your skin on a leather band or what have you. A proper felt fedora is on average made to last 150 years. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's but it's the, all to do with the quality, you know. Yeah, you absolutely. you pay you pay quality and you get quality. Mm-hmm. It is that an investment piece, but I think that I think my I I already knew that I liked it, but um, if you've ever seen the Vegas jacket that I had made, it was my prototype jacket, and it's a hundred percent wool, half canvas, mind you, and it's roughly a four season jacket, and I knew that I wanted to wear it to Vegas for a cigar convention, and I was like, you know what, Vegas is around like you know, mid-June, like 85, 90 degrees Fahrenheit, and not too much of a humidity, but it gets a little warm. But you know what? I'm from the Midwest. I can do this. And god damn, I was dying in that jacket. But I got so many I got so many compliments on it because when you have something fit to you properly and it's something that normally you would never go to, um, it was worth it. It was worth dying in that jacket. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It you was... know, you've got to suffer. You've got to suffer to look good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I already know that um, a friend of mine, tragically, she is also engaged. And they're, I got a, uh, a save the date for next April. They're in central Florida. And I already, because the, the weirdo that I am, it's May of the year before that. So it's, you know, a year out. And I'm already like, what's the you know temperature and the humidity you know whether it's you know bespoke made to measure what have you i'm like i'm gonna have a jacket made that is you know quarter line half line unconstructed whatever a linen a lighter wool whatever even you know a cashmere maybe but that's the freedom of it like that's the joy oh absolutely you have to make sure that you don't wear better than the groom though no <laughs> no well i mean you can't, you can't outshine the groom it's difficult because when you're a tailor and your suits are going to be shit hot and i don't know what he's wearing <laughs> gotta I mean, rein it in a little bit i mean accidents can happen and i don't know yeah i mean <laughs> you know it's chicago style is not just a pizza anymore it's me and i have to i have to rep myself and you know <laughs> Yeah, you know, things can happen. Well, if folks wanted to consider booking with you or taking a look at, you know, a digital resume or if they've got questions or inquiries for you, um, where might folks – it kind of sounds stupid because I mentioned it five minutes ago, but it's hilarious to bring it up again. Uh, where might folks find more information on you or to – uh, inquire on a consultation or just get a, you know, kind of like a, a vibe of where your business comes from? Yeah, of course. Um, so obviously, like you previously mentioned, there's my website, which is jordanelizabeth.co.uk. Um, Jordan is actually spelled J-O-R-D-E-N um, com- without going completely off topic. My dad actually spelled it wrong on my birth certificate. So I'm kind of stuck with that. Um, so, yeah. So that is my website. I also have an Instagram page, which is Jordan Elizabeth Tailoring. Um, and I also have a Instagram page, which is jordan.barrett. And you can kind of see the wardrobe pictures of my style, my suits, a bit of me cutting. Kind of you can see the style that I tend to go for. Nice. Awesome. Did you have anything going on business wise or just kind of hoping for the best as, you know, like you said, building your brand or anything that folks should look out for? 
Yeah, so um, I have a few things that I'm working on at the moment. I am looking at doing um, kind of expanding my Made in England ladies mate measure. Um, and I'm also looking at going into country wear. So I'm currently in the process of developing and designing a whole shooting line. Um, so ladies, men's, um, you know, there'll be riding jackets, breeches, culottes, gilets, the whole Shazam. So I'm really excited on that. That I think is going to be that's going to be like my next step. Um, do something slightly different, like more niche and a lot more um, defined and uh, concentrating I guess is in in the style and the designs and stuff amazing well I I for one have loved your story um, the inspiration is amazing and I hope that other folks will find it inspira- uh, inspiring also um, whether it's your build build type if you've had you know health issues or if you just have some personal insecurities that you want to work around um, that's the wonderful thing about folks that have these amazing talents like you who can, you know, you're almost like your own illusionist, you know, it's how you can kind of sculpt a person into this other version of themselves that just makes them shine a little bit differently, you know, because everybody's perfect the way they are, but here's a Jordan Elizabeth. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and like I said, you're at least a jacket from you is on my bucket list. Fabulous. Well, next time I'm hit, heading to the States, I'll make sure I uh, look you up. Totally. And it, I will have to warn you, though, because you like you said, you have to tell people, like, relax, relax, relax. You're going to probably be needing to measure like like my waist and like the stomach measurements. And you're going to say, Kevin, I know you love Italian food. You need to let it out. You need to relax <laughs> and breathe, breathe. <laughs> Don't hold it in. You're about to pass. Okay, out. We're going to need another. We're going to need another tape here, guys. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, I like... Okay, whoa, whoa. Just because I finished off a 24-inch pizza the other night by myself... Holy shit! That doesn't... Well, you know, I, I was hungry. It was all I had. I haven't... You know, it's a quarantine. I haven't... There goes my making this episode timeless. I have no one to be... It's like tripping in your own shoes. You have no one to be mad at but yourself. It's all good, though. But no, I do love me some Italian food. Jordan, thank you so much. You are amazing. Uh, you are. You have an amazing story, a great inspiration, and I hope that other folks will uh, share in it and you will be able to share your gift with many people for many years to come. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you for having me, and take care, everyone. Not a problem, folks. This has been... Jordan with an E, Jordan Elizabeth, uh, tailoring out of the UK, Golden Shoes Award winner, amazing person, great friend, uh, amazing, wonderful talent. Remember to stay true and uh, stay true to you and stay happy and healthy. Take care.